Blog Talk Radio. shall we and get that over with so we you know this is just so that we remind people where to find us and this and that so let's just do that housekeeping no thank you sleeping housekeeping she's so back in an hour housekeeping you want towels I want towels need sleepy housekeeping you want men for pillow please go away let me sleep for the love of God and you can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, and the TuneIn Radio apps. And, of course, follow us on Blog Talk. We didn't get any new followers on Blog Talk. And um, I do know that one person did join our, our group on Facebook, though, uh, In the Closet Objectivist on Facebook. You can get a, you, you can also meet up with us there if you'd like. Um, it, it so one, well, yeah, we got a new uh, uh, listener there or uh, group joiner in guy. So uh, thank you to that person. I'm sorry I didn't take down the names but uh thanks for joining um so yeah if anyone else is, wants to join go right ahead and and well you can I, I just give updates about when our shows are going on and a lot of people they throw in you know uh, news articles and stuff and stuff they're interested in and stuff so that's kind of cool it's a place to congregate if you're into the show it's a closed group so you don't have to worry about anything like getting out you know just just among us uh in the closet objectivists so um, you can support the show if you'd like on, on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Corey That's where you can uh, make a one-time, well, I, I shouldn't say one-time. I wanted to bring this up to you guys too. Uh, I should make you aware that 
if you if you do donate on Patreon, it is a recurring payment. So I'm sorry that I never brought that up before. I just assume that if you do, it, it kind of lets you know, I think. But if, it, if you don't know, it is a recurring. So if it's $2 or $50 or whatever, it's going to hit you every month. So uh, if you don't want to do that, and you just want to make a one-time, then just contact me uh, on Facebook. You can just go to our, our group page, uh, In the Closet Objectivist on Facebook, and you can you know let me know, hey, I'd like to make a payment. And then you can just PayPal me on through Facebook. So uh, that, And then it's just one time, and you're done. So uh, anybody you know that's interested, great. Thank you very much for all that we've gotten so far. So uh, I, a couple of people have increased um, their um, – their contributions. So thank you very much for all that. And uh, it just makes us feel great. Um, even if you just listen to the show, it's awesome. Uh, but that extra Patreon don- donation is very much appreciated. And it, it certainly is, uh, it doesn't go to waste. Uh, it's just great, no matter what, what you do with it. So however much you give is just appreciated. So um, my news headline, I don't know how. All of it. What was that, Meg? Go ahead. I was saying we don't drink all of it. Not all of it. We we save some uh, for extra shovels to, uh, to shovel snow because um, there's a lot of it here. So um, I have to, uh, you know, choose between a little bit of booze and uh, and then I have to shovel the my driveway. So yeah, and I need new. What's that? Makes the shoveling way more fun. Instead of keeps you yeah. warm, it makes the shoveling way more fun. Right. At least you think you know you think you're warm, you know. Anyway, it makes you think that you're warm. So that's, uh, you know, yeah. that's that's kind of expand so, the capillaries. Yeah, but you know, Meg, you kind of have a thing going where you you have a uh, like a homeowners association, right? So they uh, you don't really have to worry too much about that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, and and I was very deliberate about this. I bought a townhouse because I didn't want to <laughs> mow or shovel. I wanted yeah. to spend time with my child. Right. Yeah, that's and that's the way I had it for a long time too. I, I, but then you know the thing is, my and my association was horrible. Uh, they would just they would come late. They wouldn't come at all sometimes. And like we're paying, I don't I don't remember how much it was. It had to have been hundred hundred bucks, hundred and fifty bucks a month for the HOA dues. And half mm. the time I would do my own shoveling. You know, it's just like you know I'm glad I'm done with that. But um, yeah, and then they yeah, come around. Yeah, I have and, yet to hear of an HOA that is not utterly tyrannical. They are. They're Nazis. They just and then they go around. If you got a, you know, if you have like a uh, a basketball hoop, you know, out in front of your yard for like a couple of days, they they're like fine you. They're like twenty five dollars. You know, it's crazy. So yeah, avoid them if you can. But you know, I guess if you want, if you're just starting out, you know, a lot of townhomes are you know, are good deals, I guess, but you got to put up with that. I, and finally I said, you know what, we got to get a house. We need more room anyway. And so, you know, we got away from all that, but yeah, not, not fun. Uh, not fun at all. Um, I was kind of going back and forth on a news headline. I, I had just settled on this one and it first was going to be, cause this is whole, there's this whole Hawaii, um, uh, a deal with the, there, there was a, 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 a alert, Okay, and we were just talking about this before the show started. As a matter of fact, there was an alert, like Hawaii was going to be getting uh, bombed or something. <laughs> um, 
Stuart, you can enlighten us here in a minute, but so I was going to, I was going to do riff on that, but then I'm like, ah, forget it. I'm just going to, my news headline, and this is something I hope uh, someday happens. Maybe there's a, a, a restaurant here that will make this. So, so they finally found a, a new place to put cheese in the pizza in pizzas, right? Between the crust, there's a spot you could put cheese in there, more cheese. I think that's, that's my news headline. And so let's get on that. Yeah. More cheese in the pizza. They make whole 30 cheese. That is not disgusting. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we got it. We got it. Someone's got to work on that. So, yeah. So uh, it, this is your opportunity guys to, uh, if you have one, throw it out. I don't know, Meg, if you've. Yeah. So my, my fake news headline as um, I've, I've been traveling today, and yep. um, so my fake news headline is that Boom Technologies flights are never delayed due to lack of crew. Um, and I say this because I was waiting for my connection flight for an extra three hours. Oh, um, <laughs> Because they, they didn't have a crew. Um, wow. So, um, they didn't sorry, have a crew. For, for those who maybe... Yeah, yeah. Um, so for those who maybe haven't heard of Boom Technologies, um, Blaisdell, I'm probably mispronouncing his name, um, did a talk at Ocon last year. It was really cool. It was called Who Killed Speed? Um, what was it? A Mystery History of Aviation. Um, talking about how flight, commercial passenger flights take longer than they did decades ago. And, I mean, that doesn't make any sense, right? In general, technology gets better and faster. So what's going on there? And so he talked about the regulatory behemoth um, that is the FAA and their equivalent um, around the rest of the world. And... And, you know, so they, there was the Concorde, which was the fastest plane to date, but they were worried about sound and rather than, you know, like, see if anyone actually minded the sound and if they did, if there was a way to further improve the technology, they just killed the Concorde. Um, so, <clears throat> um, yeah, he's, he's actually managed to, to like, he must have some epic charisma to kind of yeah. get regulators to kind of see his vision. Um, and so his, his company, Boom Technologies, is making um, sort of the, the next generation Concorde to, for like super fast transoceanic yeah. flight. Nice. So yeah, so like be, you get from here. really cool. Yeah. Yeah, you can get from like from here to like delayed due to lack of crew. Yeah, and and, you know, and like you could get from like here here to Europe in like two hours or some shit, isn't that it or whatever? Three Mm -hmm. hours. Wow, that'd be great. That'd be you know, I'd I'd love to to get on board with that, man. Stuart, you got anything? Well, mine would be, Jorge Garcia will not be deported after all. Because recently, there's a man named Jorge Garcia, not to be confused with the actor from Lost, with the yeah. same name. 
uh, he's he's been living in the United States for 30 years, but yeah. you know his parents brought him to the United States without a visa, so uh, he's he's being deported now, and he has two children here. You know he only knows the United States, but he's being deported to Mexico. Yeah. And, yeah, it's terrible. You know, if I could make wave what a magic wand, change kid? things. What was it? What about his kids? Uh, they won't be deported, but they could be wards of the state. Gee, what the hell? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like still their mother, but oh, I mean the mother's. Um, how did how, I mean, how, how did this guy get singled out? Well, he's not singled out. I mean, you know, he's not the only person who's uh, vulnerable this way. Mm-hmm. And but he, well, he's he, not a dreamer because he's too a year too old to qualify okay. for dreamer status. Wow. But well, if uh, I could wave a message and change things, one of them would be that he not be deported. Right. Right. Well. Hopefully something will happen there. I don't know. It's so crazy that's going on with immigration. And Yaron's uh, been talking a lot about that. And um, it's it's pretty sad. I, I am for anybody that wants to come here to make their lives better. I am all for it. Uh, any, I would get away from any shithole I could to come here and work and make a better life for myself. And, yes, most of these countries are shitholes. So stop uh, – uh, these people on Facebook getting offended at what Trump said about these. I, I fucking am offended on uh, a lot about what Trump does and what he says, especially with this immigration. But, you know, the, the, him calling these country shitholes, that, you know, that that is accurate, an accurate description. Now, to, to de- deport people uh, – I don't, I don't agree with his immigration uh, policy at all whatsoever. So, you know, uh, I just, you know, I figured that uh, if you're going to rip Trump, rip him because of his, his policy on it and not because he said that they come from shitholes. That's just my main point. Right. So. Yeah. I'm definitely not a multicultural. I mean, I've I've traveled a lot and I love to travel. Um, I'm definitely not a multiculturalist. I do not consider all cultures equally good, right? You know, mm-hmm. the ancient Aztecs, um, you know, had human sacrifices and ate people. That right. is not equivalent to a culture that, you know, promotes the discovery of and commercialization of antibiotics, for example. Right. Not right. the same. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, you know, you can't. So in that, can't in have that respect. Yeah, so in that respect, I agree. I think it is proper to evaluate um, because cultures are are um, nothing more or less than than the prevalent ideas. You can evaluate ideas as, as promoting life or or um, inhibiting it. And right. you can properly evaluate cultures and say, yeah, this is a shithole culture, like ancient Aztecs. That was shitty. Um, yeah. I think I've got a leg to stand on there. So, yeah, Corey, yeah. I completely agree with you. I think it, it is perfectly, I mean, it was pretty crass the way he phrased it and didn't explain wow, yeah. any kind of thinking behind it like we are doing right now. Um, right. But at least – 
officially, yeah, it's totally valid to, to um, you know, to, to evaluate a culture and its ideas. Um, yeah. But that doesn't yeah. mean that everyone in the culture holds those ideas. For example, we are very iconoclastic, the three of us, right? Like, our, our ideas are, to put it mildly, very counterculture in a lot of ways. Um, oh, yeah, we're not mainstream. Know, I don't think that's, that's yeah, that's, that's grounds to bar us from, from the United States. I think any country should regard themselves lucky to have us. Well, yeah, on the contrary, yeah, we're the ones that, that promote this individual, individual, you know, flourishing. That's, you know, that you don't, yeah. we're very rare in that, that, that instance. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, I've said Trump way too many times tonight, so we're going to get out for him. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, this I honestly, like, I don't understand, um, I mean, especially, like, the limitation on the H-1B visas, that, that I really don't get. Like, why wouldn't you want more educated, industrious, obviously, you know, America-loving immigrants to come into the country. I mean, like, why would you rather have other countries have those super-educated, industrious people? Yeah, right, right. They come here, they, 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 embrace our, they embrace their life, they embrace individualism and rational They do, uh, they do research, they start companies. Yeah, they make everybody's lives better, you know? So yeah, I, I I don't get the well. I think a lot of it is it is racism, you know uh, that, or, or it's a lot of well they the unions have a real powerful hold, you know here in in Minnesota or you know in in the USA in the country I should say, the unions have a pretty strong grip 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 on things and. Um, you know, they don't want competition and these guys will come and they'll work for cheaper and they'll work harder and they'll make, you know, so the, the government unions, um, you know, uh, uh, they're, they have a, a real hand in making sure that some of these, uh, that, that this immigration doesn't happen. So there's some of that. There's a fear that they're going to uh, uh, get on the, the welfare dole right away, which it happens, but. You know, and it, it, we should be able to limit that. We should be, if you're here, you know, there's, you know, no welfare. I would prefer no welfare at all, right? We, we would like to eliminate the welfare system entirely. But uh, at least, you know, you're not allowed to be on it if you're an illegal or, you know, just moving to this country as an illegal. I hate to use illegal. But just as a person that doesn't live here, you know, that, that that's moving here from another country, uh, an immigrant, uh, I would, you you know, you can't come here and then just sign up for welfare and live on welfare. You know what I mean? You got to work. You got to be working. That's one of the requirements, I think. And that's, then that's it. I mean, that's, that's, that's all for me, right? I mean, am I missing something? Yeah, I mean, I guess that, that's kind of... I mean, Stuart, back me up on this and tell me if I'm actually using the term strong man correctly. But, like, that, that seems to come up a lot, right? It, and not just, you know, it's, I mean, people say, oh, we don't want immigrants because they're just going to come in and, and you know, go on the dole. Or, oh, if, if 
you know, we don't make everyone have um, single-payer health care, then some people will just invite themselves into an emergency room because they don't want to pay to actually go to a doctor. And all of this is, is predicated on a welfare system. I mean, yeah. there's an easy fix there. No, right. you know, allow people to to charge for their services. Um, and yeah, did I, and like did I, I said, get that right, Stuart? Is is oh. that a good example of a straw man? Well, well, yes, it is. It is conflating immigration and the welfare state, and I think in many respects it's deliberate. I mean, because so many people against immigration keep saying to me. Um, say so many people against immigration who claim to want to reduce the welfare state keep saying to me, you you can have either a welfare state or open borders, but in the long term you can't have both. So then I say to them, okay, then I'm keeping I'm going I'm going to keep open borders then. That's my priority. Right. If we can't have both, right. I want open borders. And they say, no 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 no. You're supposed to say, okay, I concede. I can see you don't, we should have we not have open borders then. Yeah. That's, and that's the position of people who claim to want to reduce welfare state. I mean, it's so silly. So I say, isn't the solution then to uh, roll back the welfare state? And they say, but but welfare state isn't going to go away. So the best we can do is uh, restrict immigration. And you can just as easily reply. Well, immigration isn't going to go away. Right. You know, if, yeah. As long as some places are freer than others, people will immigrate from where they are less free to where they are freer. If they right, can't, exactly. And if red tape stops them from doing it legally, they will do it illegally. So yeah. there's this whole silly assumption that somehow the welfare state is invincible, but, <laughs> but immigration, immigration can be stopped. That's completely implausible. They have no basis yeah. for assume, this assumption that one is more easily stoppable, that welfare state is, is, is the immigration is easier to stop than the welfare state is. And, and, and if I'm, yeah, if I'm I, desperate... Part of my I, heritage I, is... What were you going to say? Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, look, if I'm, oh, I, if I'm, I'm living... Saying, oh, go ahead. You go ahead. So, oh, I, I, um, I, I have a very mixed heritage and, and, um, I am very, I think I'm like a 30-second Syrian or something. And if I was in Syria, especially with Gracie, I would move <coughs> heaven and earth to, to come to the United States. I would try to do it legally, but I wouldn't wait all that long. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's just there's, there's <coughs> no way I am subjecting myself and my family to that, to that kind of a culture. not going to happen. You know, I have a profound yeah. sympathy for for anyone with that with enough self esteem to say I deserve better than to and, be segregated. Yes, and the, the reason they're doing that, they're coming here, is for a better life. And if we project, and I'm taking this from you on, if we project weakness in that, you know, no, you, you, where you're coming from is just fine. You know, we can just help, you know, we'll help you, but you could come here and we'll just help you and we'll just make, no, the people that are coming here don't want where they're, they're, fleeing, they're fleeing from. They want to fucking get out of that shit. 
That's why they're coming here is to yeah. get jobs and have a better opportunity. Yeah. I'm and we say to them, our job to like import every sob story. I'm saying that if you know if if they're you know if they're willing to move heaven and earth, I am not the person to stand in their way. That's that's the kind of person I want on my side as as my countrymen. Um, yeah. Not not my not in in enemy territory certainly. Yeah, I, that's just it. You know, I, I mean, it, you, you America is not just a, a a border. It's just not. It's not just a land. It's a it's a state of mind. You know, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. That's that's not like a fucking border wall. You know, it's not, it's, it's in your mind. That's your, it's your, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, that's what you want. And it doesn't matter what shithole you're in or what country that may be not a shithole. It, it's what you want. It's what you want to pursue certain values. You want to make the best life for yourself. You're not trampling on anybody. You're not hurting anybody. You're just, you're just pursuing your own values. And that, that's, that doesn't, that's not a border. There's no, you know, there's no land other than what a government obviously can suppress that, you know, in certain countries, but you come here to, to pursue those things and it's already in your mind or it should be. Uh, if we had a good education system that was worth a damn, it would already be, but, uh, that's it, you know, that's it. And, uh, that's kind of how I look at things. So, um, this is our objectivist Q and A show. Uh, we we've talked for almost a half hour about other stuff, but uh, I I laid out some questions that I wanted to run by you guys, see what you think, and I I don't know what you guys have, and we'll just kind of go from there. Um, it sound good? You guys got some? I can, I'll start out, but yeah, just checking. Okay. So uh, so here's here's kind of. This is something that just kind of came to me. I, I, I've talked, I think I've touched on this before, but I was thinking about it earlier too. I'm like, so let, let's say that you donate to a charity, right? Let's say you donate $10,000 to whatever charity you, you say. I, I was thinking about this earlier. I'm like, well, and, and they say, well, that's great. $10,000 is great for this X charity. Okay. Well, wouldn't 20 grand be better, you know? Uh, sure. Yeah. They would say, yeah, 20 grand. Well, how about a hundred? Oh yeah, that'd be great. So at what point, right? At what point does, should we stop giving to that chair? Like what would be enough? You know, it, it, it you know, if like, so 10 grand's great, 20 grand's better. hundred grand is the best. Like if we just give all of our money to that charity all the time, is that all of a sudden going to make, things better I, I you know what i mean like i don't get so i guess my question is uh at what point would you stop i mean do, do you would you expect like if i give to a charity i would like to see some sort of results right if, if, it, if it was some sort of like i don't know cancer research or something like i would want to see i'd be like okay i'm going to give this to you with the expectation that either you're going to have some sort of a cure or something close to it within X amount of time, whatever it might be. So I'm just, I'm just saying, how 
you evaluate that? How would we, what's the standard there? Does that make sense? Does that, is that confusing? Yeah, yeah I, 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 I get what you're saying. And I, I guess it, I guess it depends on the charity and, and, you know, if, if it's a charity for cancer research, that's, that's a really hard one to nail down because, um, you know, with research, even at the individual contributor level, it's hard to really drill down and say, okay, hmm, what experiments are you doing? What, you know, is it hypothesis driven? What's your hypothesis? Is this the correct experiment to be doing to address that? Have you had, do you have the proper controls? And none of that, even if, if all the answers are good, none of that is a guarantee that you're going to find the answer you want. I mean, the answer you want is you cured cancer. Um, but there's there's a lot of different approaches, and, and you know, it, it's it's hard to say how much, you know, you can't you can't really guess at how much money and time it's going to, and it does take time, right? All the money in the world does not make that PCR go faster. You know what I mean? That you're, you're running up against, like, biochemical limitations at some point. Um, um, so, yeah, it's, it's hard to – that's a really tough case. Um, yeah, I because I look at, like – much guidance for that. I mean, ARI, sure. you know what I mean? Like, um, they, they're – I think they're very good about saying here's where the money going and here's what our plan is if we have X amount of dollars and um, I've I've never seen them do anything I regarded as frivolous or non-impactful um, yeah. and I've never seen any plans of theirs where, you know, I, I thought that was a waste of my contribution. Not, like, not yeah. even close. Um, yeah. But I think it is very contextual. Yeah, I think that there are endeavors such as that, such as trying to find cancer treatment where, you know, where, you know, where scientists can be very diligent, they can do everything correctly, you know, properly. And as Meg said, it's not, it, it won't necessarily come up with an obvious answer or mm -hmm. what they do might not, you know, well, obviously be, might not, it might not be, if it's useful, it might not be obvious right now. People might find out how important it was 10 years from now or 20 years from now or 30 years from now. So I think that if you want, if you go, if you're donating something like that, perhaps the way to evaluate is to look at the methodology. For example, mm -hmm. even if they don't get results right away, you can look at, are they being conscientious in what they are doing? Do you trust their judgment? Do you trust that they're conscientious? Or do you think that their methodology is sloppy? You know, sloppy. Like, yeah. When you yeah, look at some academic million dollars just to like, you know, put their scientists <clears throat> up in a hotel for a weekend. That's a little suspicious. Mm -hmm. yeah, because when I look at some academicians, some professors, you know, I'm not, I don't see how their results have yet have a great application. But I can say, well, I trust their judgment in terms of them being diligent and following proper methodology and there are many professors many professors who I think you know when they show their work it's very sloppy so even so even when you don't even in terms of professors not finding a proper application for their research right away you can still judge you know 
you can still judge who's being careful and conscientious, you know, and who's squandering resources. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, can I let Especially me, with can I, stuff. I'm sorry, what was that Stuart? There's so I mean, like there's a Twitter account called Real Twitter Real Twitter Peer Review where they um they post these academic papers that are such that there's just so obvious wastes of funding such as how icebergs how icebergs pertain to feminism and how your attitude <laughs> about icebergs is sexist. It's an obvious waste of money. What one of the one of the top things that comes to my mind here on this? I'll give you more of a specific example, I suppose. Uh, there's two of them. One is the uh, the Susan G. Komen Race for the Cure. Uh, I'm sure you guys are aware of that, right? The the they do the booby run, uh, breast cancer, you know that kind of thing. Uh, they've raised a lot of money, and I've I have heard from people that I haven't run the numbers, but a lot of the of the money that is raised because you have to you have to to run in the marathon or half whatever it is you have to either raise a certain amount or you have to bring you know you have to cut a check to them or whatever. A lot of the, what happens is uh, it's all all the money they raise at a particular time. Basically, about seventy yeah, percent of it goes to the next marketing campaign, whatever that is, and actually about thirty percent of it goes to whatever it is that they do to find the cure itself. So it's all about marketing first with them, and then actually finding and innovating and, and finding cures for the, the breast cancer. Um, so that's one, and then the other one that's, that strikes me as is is odd is. Um, uh, the Jerry uh, Lewis Telethon, the Labor Day Telethon, the Jerry's Kids MS. Now that's been going on for like I don't even know how. It's been probably forty to fifty years that that's been going on. And I, Chris Rock had a funny joke about it, you know, back in the day, saying, you know, what's going on here? Jerry's Kids still limping around, you know. It's been whatever. And it, but it brings up, you know, it was it was funny, but it was like you think about it, you're like, yeah, you know all this money that they raise for this stuff and they are still limping around, so to speak, you know? So, you know, you wonder where, where it goes and, and, you know, what, I don't know. So, so many people are so emotional about it that you can't question, you can't be rational or have a rational discussion with people who are super close to the subject. Oh, my mother died from breast cancer or whatever. So you can't say, uh, where's the money going though? You know what I mean? Like, Oh, it feels good to them to just give, but then it's like, that's it. So you can't, when do you expect something to happen out of that? All that money, all that effort, you know, well, at some point well, there should be. Something. Well, so the Susan Coleman foundation devoting that large portion to the next campaign, it doesn't sound good to me, but I can't that by itself. I can't um, criticize it much because, Anti-capitalists make a similar complaint against pharmaceutical companies. They say, well, you, you defend pharmaceutical companies, and you say they're doing important work and fighting disease and all that. But did you know that, like, like a Novartis or GlaxoSmithKline spend, allocate, like, more than 10%? They get some higher high percentage point number. They get some mm-hmm. devote this much percent of their budget to just advertising, not to research, but to advertising. 
so that they can yeah, move that's more a good point. and sell more units. Yeah, I, yeah. I say, well, that's not necessarily bad because if they if that allows them to sell more units and make bigger profits, then they can reinvest it more. So I, I can't say that. Yeah, I mean it's. it's so I can't it's, say it's from my point of view, bad. it's utterly arbitrary to say what percentage is an acceptable amount to to um, spend on advertising. I mean, there are reasons these companies are so long lived and so big is because they know their business and they know what's going to maximize profits. Um, you know, and 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 how much they of those profits they can reinvest into into research. I mean, you know, the the biggest concern for them is that they're going to be spooked. You know what I mean? Like, you know, someone eventually is going to find the cure for cancer. You know, you want it to be you, right? Because then you have 100% market share. I mean, you wipe your competitors off the map. Right. Um, so they, you know, they—it's not like they want to spend less on R and D, but mm-hmm. they know better than we do um, what what it takes to get maximum dollars in order to maximize R and D. I guess something you can—I guess something you can do is compare uh, charities that are in the same industry. You know, uh, calling them an industry it sounds so horrible. I mean, there, there are several charities that are in the same area, you know, tr- you know, trying to deal with heart disease or cancer. There are multiple charities that deal with cancer, multiple charities that deal with uh, um, heart disease. So I guess you can, and there's, and there, I think they're um, not for uh, not-for-profit organizations that don't pay taxes. I think that they're supposed to file, uh, give public information on how their money is spent. So maybe you can look at different charities in the same area of expertise and compare them and judge for yourself, you know, what what's which one's handling things most responsibly. You know, there's a mm-hmm. you know, the Google guys started this uh program with a very misleading title of effective altruism. They say, Well as a billionaire, I want to huh. get the most bang for my buck. So I want to see which charities are being altruistic the most effectively. And of course, yeah. you know, my response is, well, you know, who are you, you know, why, if you're so unselfish, why do you care how effective yeah. you are? Why do you care right. about getting the most bang for your buck? Isn't that selfish? It doesn't matter. Why yeah. aren't you imposing just your... Like the way it rolls off the tongue. Effective. Yeah, yeah it, it shouldn't matter. It's, it's almost matter. alliterative, I guess. Yeah. So give selfishly. Yeah. But yeah, that, that yeah, is, that's a good point. You know, Go ahead, Stuart. Over the, over the week, so I've been seeing all these news headlines in the Washington Post about how Larry Fink, who runs the, who's the world's biggest money manager, sent this really preachy letter to see to 1,000 CEOs saying, well, because the government is being so irresponsibly laissez-faire these days and being so stingy with our money, as if, being so stingy and spending money, uh, the corporations have to pick up the slack and be philanthropic and practice corporate social responsibility. And all these media people are hailing this as revolutionary. It's so new and wonderful. And it's so silly. These are all platitudes I had to endure every single day of business school. There's nothing new about it. But every time someone yeah. repeats these platitudes, they say, now that's, a, now that's a revolutionary businessman. You know, 
that guy is doing something new and innovative, and if only everyone else would be like him. It's silly. Yeah. You know what? That that kind of brings me to something I wanted to mention. So that reminds me so much of LinkedIn. If you, I, I don't know if you guys are – I know it's Meg. I think you're on LinkedIn. But LinkedIn is so – It's I always post quotes from the lexicon on, on LinkedIn, and hardly anybody – it's a business, you know, I'll, post quotes on business in the, in the LinkedIn. And like, I only get like one like, and sometimes none, you know, and, and it's so relevant, but it's like, it's so like, it's like people don't even understand. And like it, it, all of these companies on LinkedIn that are actually in my, uh, that are on my LinkedIn, so to speak, are a lot of like, very cherry this company that i work for is very charitable and they they give back and they build the houses and uh for the poor and, and you see a lot of that stuff on linkedin at least in my linkedin uh purview which i don't really go on a whole lot but so it makes you like it, it it's like no that's not the purpose of business uh and i think i might have brought this up before if you go to bill gates's uh linkedin profile his page for um, LinkedIn is, you know, Bill and uh, what is it, Melissa or Melinda Gates or whatever his wife, Bill and Melinda Gates, uh, you know, that's the first. And then the first thing is uh, they're the founders of the Bill and Melissa Gates Foundation. Right. And then after that is, oh, by the way, I, you know, I started Microsoft and but but the, but hey, I give you know what I mean? So it's like, come on, man, it, it's it makes me crazy. It makes me absolutely crazy. So, uh, yeah, I. I, but it, I hate that. I hate that. So we got off uh, on that point. But yeah. So um, no, that's a good point, though, uh, Stuart. We're, well, we're, well, we're let talking. me ask you, like, how did how did this idea come up for you? How did what idea? The, you, you were asking the question about like when when is a charity saturated with oh. donations? Oh, I, I just, I, I just was thinking, I'm like, well, you know, cause I, I, I think about, I never really thought much about charity until like I started getting into objectivism and stuff. I just thought eh, something that's fun, you know, not fun. Well, it could be fun, I guess, if it's a golf tournament or something, whatever. But I, I, I just, I, I would like to know if I was given money to a, a charity, cause you, you know, there's a lot of scams out there. That you know, you give your money and 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 they just you know, they just take it. Uh, you know, I'm reminded of the Seinfeld episode where <laughs> where George Costanza establishes a fake charity. It's called the Human Fund, funds for humans, and his boss gives him you know, assigns a check to him for whatever it was and a whole bunch of money. And uh, and, and you know, and so, uh, but it went nowhere. It just went to George himself, I think, and stuff like that. But I just wonder because I'm skeptical about charities. I just, I'm, I'm, you know, you, you know, you hear about the Clinton Foundation and all this, and all the, you know, there is slush funds, you know, that that, uh, you know, and I, I just, I, I, I'm very skeptical of most charities, you know, I, because, I, I, and also there's no, um, there's no real um, incentive to be accountable, either, you know. So I, I want to know. I'm just wondering how or what or when we can expect to see some sort of results to some of these charities that are supposed to come up with cures for 
you know, diseases and that kind of thing. So, um, what about effective yeah. altruism? Doesn't that solve it for you? Effective altruism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not quite, not quite. Um, you know, I, we got a favorite slogan that goes: "We need less commerce and more community service." And I reply: "Commerce is community service. It's exactly, and community service." And if just because I made a profit or whatever, um, or whatever, uh, it's a win-win transaction. Um, yeah, I mean, you got something, I got something. We all, we all are should be good to go. No one, no one had to, no one had to, uh, to cut their own throat. You know what I mean? To be, uh, I know well, I'm taking an exaggeration, but you know what I mean. Even the term nonprofit organization is misleading because. If they don't make a profit, that means that they fail to break even, and they can't operate. They have to make a profit to operate. So a not-for-profit mm-hmm. is more accurate because I think the idea is that them profiting is not the main purpose. It's supposed to serve some other purpose, but non-profit, the label non-profit is misleading. If they they don't make a profit, then they, uh, then, uh, they disappear. Yeah, I mean, there has to be some. There have they have to make something to to keep the lights on, you know, and to they have to. It just can't. I know that it it, it hits the ear wrong. It just doesn't sound right. We got a uh, call. Um, I don't know if you guys want to take it. Four hundred five area code. Should we take the call? Or what do you guys? What do you say? Is it? I don't know. We'll see if it's on topic at all. All right. Hello, we're gonna, 405. We're going to lean on your BS detector. Yeah, yeah indeed. Uh, well, a true objectivist would not be scared to take the call, so I guess you guys took the call, so that's the first thing. How y'all doing? Yeah. All right. Hey, I, well, well sometimes how are you? Get, sometimes I'm it gets well, weird. Well. Yeah, I understand. That's the the Internet <laughs> that we have to deal with in today's exactly. crazy people out here. Uh, yeah, I guess I wanted to push back on a couple of things, but, you know, interesting uh, things you guys are saying. I feel like I'm picking up on some of the concepts, but I, I guess the big thing would be uh, I think what we what we uh, get wrong is where we think uh, nonprofits and charities and these things are about altruism. No, they're about power. Uh, the ability to be able to move people and present yourself as a humanitarian and a philanthropist is a power move. Uh, the people they call the robber barons discovered this, that uh, we can kind of calm down some of the rattle of, you know, what they would consider the cattle of the, <laughs> the rest of the population. So, I mean, that's, that's extended to this day, from the Gates Foundation to any one other one, other one that you want to name. Uh, having a charitable uh, donation from powerful people uh, that they can, you know, write off or use as a way to employ unemployable people to a degree, connected people, and as you said, use it as a slush fund. Uh, some places, if you audit them, you find 70% goes to staffing, 30% to the cause. Like, this this idea of philanthropy is not about doing good for the most part. Now, of course, there's some outliers out there doing good work and, you know, because that's what they want to do. But uh, the big ones that you guys are talking about, uh, I, I think we're talking about a totally different story. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm not, and, and, and I don't want to sound like I, 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 I don't want to be like all down on charities and stuff. It's, it's not that. I just, I think if it's a charity, that's that's something that that that's doing uh, that's in your self interest. 
to, to give to, and you're, you, you're giving to them because of what Stuart was talking about when you were, when you, you research and, and the money is going to where it should, or yeah, they're promoting and they're, they're, they're doing other marketing that's costing some of the money that, that, that's fine too. Uh, I just, that, that, that I worry about where uh, the money is going and if it's being wasted and just taken and, 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 and uh, pocketed by, by the people running the charity. And so I, and I think also, you know, if you're giving to somebody or something that um, that is in your your rational, your self-interest, like I said, if, if it's something that, you know, uh, you know you're, you're not you're not you're gaining by giving to this charity in some way, uh, that's fine. And as long as there's no force involved, then I you know, I don't care where you give your money or what you do with your money. I mean, as long as you're doing it in, in your own uh, self-interest go for it uh i just want to well, know I, I i can give you a perfect example of that Let, let's say uh there's a job opening on wall street two candidates walk in identical resumes from you know the best of schools but this guy went to venezuela and served soup for two summers guess mm-hmm. what that's a power play now now that's on his resume as he did this great thing for humanity and he's able to spin that in the interview into him being the more you know, viable candidates. So again, yeah, but see, I, 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 I would being about yeah, power. I, I think we're missing the yeah, boat. When I, I went, about I, all if I'm looking at hiring a guy, I want the best qualified guy for the position. I don't care if he's delivering soup to fucking uh, orphans and, and Haiti. I'm sorry. I want the guy who can do the job. I, I don't care about the guy who, who gives it. Uh, I, I gave the scenario of identical resumes, identical backgrounds to a degree. Same type of, uh, you know, candidate walking right. in that door, but this person has this extra hammer in his pocket of, bam, he slaps that on the table and he spins it well during the interview. And I, I think you guys get my point of this altruism is about power, man. And, and you know, I, let, about let me good. put your point a little different way to make sure I understand it. It, it sounds like what you're saying with regard to these, these big charities and power is, is kind of like what, what Ayn Rand was saying about altruism generally is that um, any atrocity can be forgiven if it is not for selfish motives. Um, And, you know, her primary example was was communist Russia, right? I mean, people people said, oh, you know, we're not doing this for any selfish gain, um, so it's totally okay that we killed tens of millions of our own people and, you know, employing this plan. Is that, is that kind of where you're going with this? Am I understanding yeah, correctly? Yeah, to a degree, to a degree, I, I would say that Russian example you can use with the United States because any formation of any nation, there's going to be a lot of, you know, to make that omelet, going to be a whole lot of broken eggs. I don't care what nation you're talking about. So you go through any nation's history, you're going to find your tragedy. But yeah, I think they do spin it into, well, look what became of it. Well, perfect perfect example, if you ask a person in Israel today, uh, was what they went through worth it right now? It's like, wait a minute, you didn't pay the price. The people who paid the price would be the ones to answer that question. So kind of, you know, so yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with where you're going with that, but I don't know, this is an interesting show. I, I'm a, you know, angry leftist guy, but I do like to talk to people with other perspectives because, you know, I feel like I pick up things, so feel like I'm picking well, up stuff listening to you guys. I've been listening we, for a little bit. Do we provoke your oh. anger? I always wonder about that because I guess it's good radio to, like, 
yell, but that's not. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, we, we don't. We don't. Uh, I have to yell hey. to get your attention because you can't see my pretty face. There we go. Yeah. That's what I'll use. So, that's so hey, excuse me, sir. Sir, what's what's your name? Naj. 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 Nice hey, you, you've, you, Naj. Hey, you've called in. To, Naj, have you called in your on Brooks show? Maybe uh, maybe a year ago. I think so? you have. I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. You, you, you keep listening. Keep listening. Um, I'm glad you called in. Uh, call in yeah, any time. And, and, and can I throw the, the Adam Smith quote out there? Sure. Which I think gets to the, the gist of this stuff. Yeah, well, well, you say what? Uh, for every rich man, there must be 400 poor. And if it wasn't for the uh, state's magistrate, he would sleep insecure. So, you know, to a certain degree, we do have to understand there's always going to be ways that you have to sway the populace or ease the populace. So, you know, we're dealing with difficult you're, times you're right now, and like I think we're running out of tools to do it. Excuse me? You're, you're talking about, like, bread and circuses, you know, like, you know. Yeah, to a degree. Um, yeah, to a degree. Well, I, um, I mean, I am no expert on Adam Smith, so take this for what it's worth. But, I mean, I get what he's saying. He's saying without the magistrate, you know, be concerned. I mean, that's what laws should be for is, is you know, I, we're not anarchists, right? We think there should right. be a government to, yeah. to prohibit the initiation of force. Um, the whole, oh. like, you know, for every rich person, there's, Four hundred four. That seems completely contrived to me, and, and you know. Yeah, but it rhymes. I mean, it's way back in the I'm not, <laughs> oh, well, okay, then, well, there's that. Forgive the man. Yeah. Where did he write that? You know. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, man. you know, we can make up limericks all day long, but no one wants me to do that because What kind of data was he working from at that time? You know, hey man, the two did good work. <laughs> I mean, as far as I understand, he did a pretty good job. So you know, credit where credit's due. I mean, you know, so I, I guess I don't want to be flippant, but like, so what? I mean, you know, 400 poor today, they're they're all like richer than anyone has ever been at any other time in human history. I mean, like, fabulously wealthy. I mean, you think of like the kings from the Middle Ages. They didn't, they didn't have indoor plumbing and smartphones. Yep. You know what I mean? All this. You know, so yeah, whatever is what of, I say to that. The, the, only, the only issue I would have with that is that, that's a perspective issue always because it's like, uh, you know, hey, you go to Venezuela or somewhere and, right. you know, you tell a guy, hey, conditions are rough, man, but, you know, imagine if you lived in Tanzania. Things would be worse for you. And dude's like, look, well, I'm dealing with what I'm dealing with right here. So, you know, yeah. I, I think that perspective. And that's where I would – that- and that's where, Naj, that's where I would encourage somebody that's in the, that kind of a condition to come over to the United States and work and, and, and make a better life for himself over here. And just – that's why we, we – this is why we hate Donald Trump is because of his – well, it's not all of the reason. There's a lot of reasons. But the, <laughs> I, I don't I – don't, I hate his immigration policy. I I hate it more than anything because I want people that want to come over here that have the American spirit, that have the American way of life, that want to work, want to make a better life for themselves. I would want people like that over here that are innovative and productive. I want those people here. That's what I want. I don't care where you're from. That's the craziest policy I've ever heard. I don't understand it, especially in today's age where, you know, the brain drain 
can go to another country and you miss out on the next te- the next technology that sets you yep. behind in the you know in the great race of, of of you know being a world power. So yeah, it's a completely naive, ridiculous idea. Not to mention when immigrants come in, typically you know you got somebody's going to pay taxes for ten generations. Hell, uh, Steve Jobs' dad was a damn Syrian. He was a Syrian immigrant. Like you, you don't yeah. want to. A you lot, don't want to keep dipping into a shallow talent pool. Of, you want that talent pool as deep as possible. Yeah, you do. Yeah, and it doesn't matter where you're from. As long as you accept that you, you know, live your life, accept that your life is yours to live however you want. If you respect other people, you know, if you, I mean, if you respect or I shouldn't even say that, but if you uh, are able to uh, live and not interfere with my ability to live my life is what that's kind of what I mean to say is then I have no problem. I, I don't care who comes over here. I'm doing my thing. You're doing your thing. We're both, uh, you know, what's the problem, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's my, my, that's that, my, I, my I whole perspective. All this talent now going to Germany and China and Japan. And again, us getting left behind like it's a crazy idea but i'll hang back and listen i I just wanted to get some words in with you guys but yeah Yeah, man interesting show and you know hey i know know, know you're 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 um i I don't want to keep you and i don't want to put you on the spot so please don't feel like you are obliged to answer this question um of of the two of us, In the Closet Objectivist versus the Iran Book Show, which do you prefer and why? Very oh, Can you repeat the question? Uh, between our show and the Iran Book Show, which do you prefer and why? Uh, well, well, you guys for one, because I actually was able to get home uh, and talk to you guys, so... <laughs> Well, that would be a you know gold star for you guys. <laughs> Thank you. That, uh, uh, like a good guy, this, but this is not a leading question. It's, it's an honest question. Yeah, he, he's real careful with that mute button. So yeah, it's, it's very humbling. It's very humbling. Hey, Nash, will you do me a favor? Follow our show. Will you, uh, just, uh, on, uh, on Blog Talk, you can just hit the follow button, and you'll be notified whenever we go on. I'd love to have you on board more. Can you call in more? Yeah, I'm gonna check the show out. I probably won't be able to follow because okay. I don't have. Oh yeah, no, here, you've got I'll a great show radio out. voice. And and I'm not being mean to Yaron. He seems like a good guy. You know, I've I've listened what? to him a, a lot though. Just like I said, trying to yeah, pick up on other spots. Yeah, no, I I think that I think you should look read a little bit of Ayn Rand. Um, I think a lot of what she said. Uh, it's solely about individualism. Yourself. And it's mm-hmm. not about not about, you know, uh, uh, living for others or any of that stuff. It's about living your life the best that you can and, and doing the things that make you the happiest. And that's really all it is, man. I mean, really, uh, when you boil it down to it, it's, it, that's about it. So but, you know, again, thank yeah, you so much honest, for calling. Naj, in. I, yeah, no problem. Yeah, honestly, Naj, I was um, I was um, you said you were an angry leftist. And, and like I said, oh, yeah. um I don't get You're that from on, you, by the way. It tends to be, yeah, I, I really don't either. I mean, I'll take you at your word, but Euron tends to be, like, he does a lot more, like, pounding on the mic than, than we do. So I figured for no other reason um, you'd, you'd prefer him. But I'm I'm glad. You, I'm glad. <laughs> well, then, oh. well, you know, like I said, we don't, I, we don't have a lot of, like, pounding on the microphone. So if that's what you're looking for, we, we might not be no. the best. 
fit, but you don't, I don't, you don't, I don't mind want that. I don't, I don't want that stuff. I just want, I want to have good productive conversations with people and it doesn't matter which side of the, I, I don't look at things in the political context so much as the philosophical. So that's where I look at, you know, what is your philosophy? What is, that's what's going to, you know, determine where we go uh, anyway. So I, 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 this whole political, it's just dumb. It doesn't, it's doesn't, it's not productive. <laughs> So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. No, that's. But it's great. I'm. Look how you really glad. feel, Corey. Don't hold back. You're yeah. really friends here. Yeah. Well, y'all have a good night. Man. Awesome. Okay. Thanks you for calling too. in, guys. Thanks for listening. Mahalo. Have a great night. Bye. Bye. You too. All right. Okay. So uh, let me go. Let me just go to my next um, question for you guys to answer. Um, oh, yeah. Stuart got me going on this one. So this is all on Stuart. Um, so dun, dun. Stuart said in our in our Facebook group, he said, um, I'm paraphrasing here a little bit, Stuart. So excuse me one second. Um, I, it's, it's basically trying to simplify the message of objectivism of Ayn Rand's philosophy. What to people if you're in a hurry, basically. And I I, I kind of coined it elevator objectivism. Okay, so what could you say to somebody in a short span, okay, to get them interested in Ayn Rand's message, uh, Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism, within an, an elevator ride? Well, an elevator pitch. An elevator pitch, right? So you you yeah. have like two you have like two floors to go or three or whatever four, so maybe thirty seconds. Maybe yeah, thirty seconds. What what is the best pitch to get someone just just to think about Ayn Rand and, and maybe say pick up a book in that sort of span? Is there a way? I don't think there is, but I, I wanted to get your view, Megan, and maybe Stuart, you have you want to flesh that out a bit more. Okay, so this started because well, I got well, I was thinking about this because um, years ago I was in a libertarian. Um, discussion club, and the president, asked, then president of the time, asked me, "Okay, so if you could just summer give like a elevator pitch. You know, elevator pitch is um, something from marketing. Marketing people say if you have this great idea, you have you should be able to take it, make it a complicated thing, and make it simple because CEOs have short attention spans. Not as bad as Donald Trump, but still pretty bad. So imagine you're on an elevator, you get into the elevator with the CEO." You have to make the pitch in that short amount of time. So what is it? So the mm-hmm. president said that to me about objectivism. And I said, well, uh, I don't know. It's so complicated. And, I, and this guy next to me said, well, Ayn Rand said, well, epistemology is reason and ethics is self-interest, you know. <laughs> and, of course, most people don't know what the word epistemology is. Yeah, you, so, can't, you can't do that. Yeah, not on 30 so, seconds. So – so years later, I thought, how would I put it? So I came up with one for, uh, and I put it in the Facebook group, although uh, pretty embarrassing. I don't remember how I phrased it. But I guess right now I'd say it like this. You know, you own your life. You have to live your own life. And you only have one life to live. And right. See, so you, that's what you should, your focus should be. And you should be able to do it peaceably. In order to do that, you need freedom, freedom from right. force. Right. And everyone is free from force. 
That's why we have free enterprise. And when you have this freedom, how do you go about it to pursue your life? It doesn't work through, you know, wishing or chanting or, you know, or asking supernatural forces to do it for you. You have to do it yourself through using reason, observing reality, and acting accordingly. Yeah. So, um, so, boy, you know, yeah, so we got to... Um, you'll have to, you'll have to test me on this. I'm, I'm curious to hear more about what your, about what Disney School said about advertising because, and, and marketing because um, I, I've taken um, some classes on story and writing story. And my instructor, who is amazing, said that, that people in marketing are the best storytellers because they, I mean, that's how our brains work, right? We get hooked by the problem. We follow it through to the climax and then the resolution. I mean, we, we just can't help ourselves the way our brains work, which is why good advertising is so effective. And effective advertising involves a really compelling 30-second or 60-second story. So if I was doing elevator objectivism, I would tell a story. I would say, you know, and of course I would talk about Gracie because that's the thing I cherish most, right? And I would say, look at my beautiful daughter. You know, she's the thing I cherish most in this world. What would I tell her about this world she knows very little about, right? That's probably very overwhelming to her right now. I would say that she has the mind capable of understanding and navigating it successfully using her reason and her orientation to reality. I would say that I would, I would advise her to find the things she is passionate about and to pursue it well and ruthlessly for purpose. And I would say that no one has the right demand even one second of her time that her life is hers self-esteem and I, I cannot understand why anyone would advise me to tell her otherwise on any of those two things yeah and, and that's 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 good uh, when you're out in the world though uh, I'm, I'm in my day-to-day life most everyone would completely agree with that. They would completely agree with that. But they would say, uh, God says we should do this. Or, uh, or if they're not that way, if they're not oriented that way. Well, this is elevator objectivism, right? This is not no. to answer every objection. This is no, no, that's, that, right. No, you're right. You're right. So the, the pitch is the pitch. I get it. I get it. But I, I just wanted to, yeah, I guess it's, yeah, okay. So it, it, we're not going to be able to get in depth. I, I get it. Well, first of all, well, yeah, well, first of all, that's one thing, but like what those two are saying to you is, I agree with you, but I don't agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. It, but we see, yeah, we see, and then, we see, but yeah, it doesn't. If the if people agree with you on the surface, which you're right, but I'm more right, sir. <laughs> no, but I think it's a good thing, and and Megan is right. You're right because people are human beings are the storytelling animal. 
people think in terms of stories, it's, it's what shapes our lives. It's how we make plans. A plan of action is a story. If I do A instead of B, X will happen. But if I do B instead of A, Y will happen. You know, when you, you draw those causal connections, mm-hmm. that storytelling, you're using imagination, using storytelling, you can't, you, you can't make inferences, you can't reason at all without imagination. You see, and people yeah. think imagination is illogical, well, but that's and, not. And you need imagination to be logical. Decision-making is, is inextricably linked to emotion. In fact, um, there's, this, there's this really interesting case of a man who had um, a brain injury where he didn't have any emotions at all. He couldn't feel any emotions. And he was utterly stymied with any kind of, he was unable to make any decision whether or not to have um, pizza or salad for lunch, whether to organize his filing cabinet or do the work his boss had assigned him. And the reason was because he could, there was no feeling attached to any, any alternative. You know, like there wasn't like, the concern that his boss would reprimand him if he didn't do the work. There wasn't the earnest desire to, you know, have pizza. There wasn't there wasn't a productive pleasure of eating the salad. I mean, there was there was nothing. He couldn't make a single decision. And again, that's another reason why story is so powerful, because if we're able to connect empathetically to the story. Our, our emotions are invested, and we're able to make decisions. That's right, and it's also because um, learning is primarily inductive. I mean, we learn from observation. We learn from experience. You see, so we, that's how we learn from, from case studies. If we can't, yeah. when you can't uh, yeah, directly it's much easier to induce when you've seen the, the essentialized. Right. That's right. When you, you can't learn directly from an experience, there's another way you can learn you know, inductively. And that's when you look at a case study, you observe something that happens. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like that's why we look at, we, we, we read the news, you know, we learn about what happened to our friends. They tell us about how they made a particular decision and what the consequences of that is. And I would say even, that even applies with fiction. If people can say, what do you mean? Fiction is made up. Mm-hmm. Well, not entirely. What I would say is when a work of fiction, you know, resonates with you, it's because you can – because you ascertain that it is a symbolic representation of what you – Projection. Of what you ascertain to be true about human psychology. Right. Yeah. See, you could say that there's simulations. So works of fiction – when they resonate yeah. with you, you see there's simulations, and you don't have to take them literally. Yeah, fiction. Yeah, yeah. good fiction is um is essentialized, right? Like good fiction doesn't include the trip to the store to buy toilet paper, because that's yeah. not an essential, right? That's that's not advancing the characterization or the plot or anything that anybody should care about. Um, so it gets rid of all of the clutter that you find in normal day-to-day life from which you might, you know, normally you have to induce from life, which involves a lot of non-essentials. And it's, sometimes it's just exhausting to try to, like, weed out all the non-essentials and get 
you know, get to the, the stuff from which you induce. Fiction does that work for you. It's awesome that way. You know, it just gets all you get in good fiction is essentials. It's much easier to induce. And it's That's right. why literature is so invaluable. And it's why I think LP, or Leonard Peikoff, was, you know, said that was absolutely critical to a proper education. Right. Fiction is not literally true, but it is the integrated, it's the integrated, um, abstracted representation of many particulars that you have observed. Like, like mm-hmm. Back to the Future didn't literally happen, but you know you are you are, you do know of people of nerds being bullied. You do know of the consequences of what happens when you don't stand up to bullies. You know those mm-hmm. are things that literally happen, and. Back to the Future is a symbolic way of grappling with those issues and observing the consequences of you know, acquiescing to the bullying versus standing up for yourself. So in that respect, yeah. so, and, and the way that Back to the Future presents that, it is true literally. You can't literally travel back in time, but it is literally true that you will live in fear your whole life if you never stand up to people who are trying to bully you. That part's literally true. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, if, if fiction is being able to project forward into the future, what are the consequences of my actions? I mean, the awesome thing about Back to the Future, right, is that you've already seen the consequences, then you see the action, and you see how they connect. God, that movie's so great. <laughs> yeah, we we still got to do our Back to the Future show, and we'll, we'll get there, I know. I, I'm a procrastinator. Maybe I need to... Uh, I need to sit down here and uh, hash that out. I have a really good way I'm going to do it, though, Meg. I'm going to I'm going to pick out. Well, I'll give you a little bit We're of an idea. Start I'm going to pick present. A... We're going to go backwards in time, and then we're going to go <laughs> back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> couldn't figure help it. Figure it out. I really tried. I'm, I couldn't. I'm do working it. on the. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm gonna, you know, it'll be, it'll be like, you know, most memorable scene, um, you know, uh, most, you know, uh, how, how is it aged, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, there's gonna be several other uh, ways that I go about it, but that's just to give you an idea, like. Uh, we, could just gonna, we could just spend a whole episode on on the following question: Why is Doc Brown so awesome? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he started out as Jim on Taxi. You guys are are not going to know this. You're too young. But he started out as Jim on Taxi, Jim Ignatowski. And then he became, he he smartened up, got off the drugs, and all of a sudden became (laughs) this brilliant, (laughs) brilliant genius. Uh, Meg watched Taxi. Damn it. Um, Yeah. So, no, that's. Really violent? No. What? Not to. Do you mean taxi, taxi driver? I must be thinking of something else. Yeah, taxi maybe. driver. Taxi driver starring yeah. Robert De Niro is violent. Taxi is a comedy TV series with Judd Hirsch and Christopher Lloyd and Danny DeVito oh. and Ariel yep. Hemingway and Tony yep. Danza. Back at Tony Danza, yeah. And uh, and and uh, Andy Kaufman, the late great Andy Kaufman. I don't know if you mentioned him or not. Uh, so yeah, but check that out, Meg. Uh, it's an old sitcom from the early eighties, um, and late seventies, early eighties. Uh, what, what else? Um, 
just to move this along, uh, you guys had some great points. Uh, do you have any questions that you wanted to throw out uh, about uh, objectivism, the Q&A, anything, but anything that you want to touch do, on? But, um, I but I thought I'd throw this out, and maybe we can talk about it next week. That's 14 um, minutes for the show. So. But, yeah, I mean, we have 14 minutes left. It's been a long yeah, you know we can um, put a bow on this. Uh, we don't have a lot of time anyway. But thanks, Nash, yeah, for cool calling if I in. Just ask the question and let it like marinate, let it percolate. Is that cool? Yeah, yeah. Do that. Yeah. Do it. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. So I have a confession. Um, you guys okay. know that I am an Audible subscriber. I love everything audiobooks. Love, love, love this service. Can't, they've recently yep. added like a new thing, a new, you know, addition to their service. For like six bucks a month, you can subscribe to the romance package. So like not all romance books are included, but there are a lot of them included. And if you're a subscriber, you can listen to as many of them you want a month, right? Like I normally get like 24 credits a year, so two bucks a month, but I can listen to as many of these stupid romance books as, as I like. And I know what you're thinking. Believe me, I thought it myself. But I like this service because, I mean, let's be honest. Most of these books are awful, right? Like, I've probably been thinking about this before. You know, like, there's really no reason why it's these protagonists versus any, any, any other protagonists. There's really nothing distinguishing about these people. There's really no reason why they would be attracted to each other except for maybe like their arms or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, the whole premise of the book usually involves some miscommunication that would take like five minutes of adult conversation to resolve rather than an entire novel, which, okay, I am certainly no genius at, at romantic relationships, but I've heard that communication is important. For a good long-term relationship. So the fact that the whole relationship is predicated on this miscommunication that would take five minutes of adult conversation to resolve does not bode well for their future happily ever after, in my view. So there's all these things going against these books, right? And I know what you're thinking. So why would I pay money for this? And the answer is that when I listen to these books when I'm in bed, I fall asleep instantly. It is like the most amazing, yeah. soporific. I just yeah. instantaneously asleep, which is good, right? Because I need to fall asleep right away so I can get plenty of good rest and be fresh the next day. So yeah. I, I don't feel great about this. This is not good art. This is not spiritual fuel. And I feel kind of bad about listening to these trashy romance novels, but I just I wanted to see, you know, like how many objectivistiness points I lose in your guys' minds for subscribing. <laughs> There's stuff that, yeah. Uh, just just, uh, just on the periphery here, I, I am not thinking too deeply about this, but there's stuff that I like that I know an objectivist probably would. I mean, I'm into sports a lot. I mean, I'm into, you know, some sports, not all sports, but that I know that 
are a big. I know there's some objectivists that are into that, but and, and, you know, and, yeah, and I don't want you guys to hold back. I want you to tell me how much less of me you think of you think of me oh, as a person. Not at all. Not week. at all. For next week, you know what? Let's 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 write this down. Uh, put a pin in it. Meg, remind me. I'll, I'll think about it, but remind me next week too that we need that we'll start the show off with with this answer. Okay. Uh, we'll recap and then we'll we'll answer. Stuart, you're in on this too. Uh, and uh, we are. And we'll I already have some ideas, but maybe All right. I should keep you in suspense. Yeah, we're gonna do that. We're gonna, you're gonna do that. Okay, guys. Remember to thank the uh, the innovators, the producers, the rationally self interested businessmen, uh, people that are productive. Uh, thank you for making our lives better. Uh, we we can't you know we can thank you and we can buy your products and and your services and, and enjoy those and uh, follow us on uh, uh, on uh, Blog Talk here. You can press the follow button uh, on, uh, on Blog Talk and also join us in uh, on uh, Facebook uh, in the Closet Objectivists on Facebook. You can join us and follow us there. Um, and yeah, thank you for everybody for, 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 uh, a great productive conversation. Remember your life belongs to you and, um, anything else you guys got? Uh, otherwise we're going to call may it. I, may I give a small speech? Let yeah, go for it. Okay. So I found the elevator, uh, pitch that I wrote. Okay. okay go quote, ahead. Objectivism, objectivism is a philosophy for living that stresses the virtue of living your life to the fullest. Seeking happiness peaceably, unashamedly, unreservedly. To accomplish this, one must use evidence and reason as one's guide. And to go about this to greatest effect, we need maximum freedom of action. The society most conducive to this goal is one in which the law allows for anything that is peaceful. And so you must choose to live, which means acting according to your highest vision of yourself. Unquote. That's perfect Perfect to to uh, start us, or yeah, excuse me. Perfect way to end the show, Stuart. Thank you very much, and we'll see you guys next Wednesday.
Beautiful. 